Hallelujah. Good morning, Way Church. So good to be in the house of the Lord. I know my wife just said sit down, but I need y'all to stand up in reverence of God's holy word. I want us to go to Philippians chapter 2. I believe the Lord is already pleased with our worship, so I want to go quickly into the word of the Lord. And my wife said something, and I was thinking about culminating this series on this morning. Um, But we need to learn how to fight against what the enemy tries to put in our minds. So I'm going to continue this series on next week, Sunday. The Lord actually placed something in my spirit. So this is not a culminating message but a continuation of what we've already been in. Philippians chapter 2, I want us to look at verses 5 through 8. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you don't have it, it should be on your screen. The Bible says, let this mind, somebody shout mind, being you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And verse number eight says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Verse number five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor, I can have the mind of Christ. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to minister from this subject this morning, a right mind, a right mind. I want to minister from this subject, a right mind. Before I get into my sermon, can we give a hand clap of praise for the men of God in the house of the Lord this morning? It's so good to see the men of God in church. We so many times, um, men are lacking, their presence is lacking in God's house, but it's so good to see the men of God serving and worshiping in the house of the Lord. Uh, The old saints would thank God for being clothed and in their right mind. Y'all ever heard that? Being clothed and in their right mind. And while I respect the old saints, I believe many who uttered these words um, were not uh, truly understood the true context of this statement. I know my grandmother said it. I know the deaconess and the missionary said it across the pulpit that we just thank God that we're clothed and in our right minds. But this tape, and one of the reasons why I don't believe they understood the true context of this statement is because it's derived from the man that Jesus delivered from demons um, called Legion. I need us to see something in Luke chapter 8, verse 35. The Bible says, and they went out to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And herein lies why many believers would declare that they were clothed and in their right mind. Because really what we were trying to say is that I'm not crazy. Somebody say I'm not crazy. That, that when the old saints you say I'm clothing in my right mind they will say that they're not crazy and although this may seem controversial being in our right mind has less to do with your psychological condition and more so to do with the providential capacity that you give your mind to God I, I, I know y'all gotta stay with me just stay with me this morning it has less to do with your psychological condition and more so with the providential capacity that God has to our minds somebody may be saying how do I know 
Throughout scripture, we see reference of these, uh, these uh, words, uh, a right mind. Or in other words, we'll see, if it doesn't say a right mind, it'll say a sound mind. We find this in Luke 8.35. We find this in Mark 5.15. We find this in Titus 2 and 6. And we find this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. But the Greek translation found in these texts is a word that means impacted by God influenced by God and watch this intended for God so if your if your mind has never been impacted by God if your mind is not influenced by God if your mind is not given over to the intentions for God tell your neighbor I don't have a right mind I don't have a right mind so watch this that means you be you can be competent and still not have a right mind you can be smart as all outdoors and not have a right mind so it's not about competency it's not about you being crazy it's a mind that is concerned about the things of God and a mind that is concerned about God so here's a critical question we have to ask ourselves as believers are you in your right mind is your mind concerned about God and the things of God because if it ain't you ain't got a right mind tell your neighbor you ain't got a right mind and this is why being in our right mind is vital for every believer because watch this scripture admonishes us that the Lord tests our minds so the Lord is testing the minds of believers to ensure that we have a right mind that's found in Psalm 79 Jeremiah 11 and 20 and Jeremiah 17 and 10 that means God both examines our minds and he also expects for the minds of believers to be found right I don't know if y'all feeling me this morning, but he examines our minds. He expects our minds to be found right. So we got to ask ourselves, will God be pleased when he tests my mind? When God examines my mind, will he find my mind in the right condition? That's what I have to ask myself as a believer. And this is why Paul admonishes believers in our foundational text to let this mind be in them. In other words, somebody say a right mind. Then Paul goes on to reveal what it means to have a right mind. And I believe if we want to ensure that we have a right mind, we've got to heed the words of Paul. But I need us to understand what Paul was trying to tell these believers at the church at Philippi. In in Philippians chapter 1, he says that they need to have this level of adoration for Christ. So he begins to speak about this in Philippians chapter 1. We see that in verses 3 and 11. Then he says that they need to be on assignment for Christ. Somebody say assignment. He says that in verses 12 through 18. Then he says that our lives should be in alignment with Christ. We find that in verses 19, 26. And then he says, as believers, we have to endure affliction for Christ. But then he goes on in Philippians chapter 2 to say that we need to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. So in other words, what Paul is trying to say is that you can't really give God adoration if you don't have a right mind. He's saying that you'll never be able to be on assignment for Christ void of a right mind he says that you'll never walk in alignment with Christ without a right mind and watch this you'll never be able to endure affliction for Christ without a right mind so if you see believers that struggle with affliction that might be a sign that they do not have a right mind tell your neighbor I need a right mind I I don't want affliction to take me out but I want to be able to endure affliction like a good soldier and I need a right mind. 
So therefore, this morning, my prayer is that all of us can have be in our right mind. I want us to be we all clothed this morning, but I need us all to be in our right mind. That as God tests our minds, he's then pleased with our minds. So here's what I want to do. I want to just examine our text so that we can all have a right mind. I want us to look at verse number six. The Bible says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. A mind that thinks God needs them more than they need God is a mind that is not right. A mind that thinks God needs them more than they need God is a mind that is not right. And some of y'all this morning saying, I don't believe that. I'm going to tell you why you do believe that. Now, 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 that's crazy. Um, uh, uh, this is a mind that is not concerned about the things of God. Because the reality is, watch this, God does not need us, but we need God. Tell your neighbor, God don't need me. God don't need Pastor Keith. God don't need these ministers at this church. God don't need us because we are replaceable. Somebody say, I'm replaceable. I know y'all like Beyonce, but we are replaceable. All right, so, 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 so here's the sad reality is that we have too many believers, watch this, that think they're necessary for the plans of God to proceed. Tell your neighbor, God don't need me. We think we got believers that think they're necessary for the promises of God to manifest. Tell your neighbor, I'm not necessary. And watch this, we've got believers that think they're necessary for the purpose of God to be fulfilled. The devil is a lie. And this is why many believers believe this. Because we think we have some level of spiritual gift on our lives, we think God needs us. Did y'all hear what I just said? Many of us think God needs us because of the gifts and the anointings on our lives. But tell your neighbor, I am replaceable. I'm, 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 I'm replaceable. Even more, watch this, our gifts don't make us a gift to God because watch this, our gifts are because of his grace. It's a gift that God even, watch this, includes us in his plans. The very fact that God got me standing up here is a gift. The very fact that God allows us and uses us in the ways that he does, somebody say, it's a gift. Oh, I just thank God that he includes me in his plans because he ain't got to include me. And this is why a right mind, hear this, is subservient to Christ. And I'm going to tell y'all what that means. Don't, 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 don't lose me on this one. I, I need a mind that is subservient to Christ. And I believe I put the definition up there, if we can um, put it on the screen. One definition of subservient means less important or inferior. In other words, I'm not on the same level as God. Uh, I've got to know that in my mind that I'm not on the same level as God. And this is why a foundational text says, do not consider it um, robbery to be equal with God. That means I'm not on the same level of God, but all of my life is in God. And many of us think because we bring something to the table because of our resume, because of what we've done, because of how God has used us, that at some level we start to think that God needs us. And somebody say the devil is a lie. Uh, all of my life is in God. And this is why Acts 17, 28 declares this. In him we live, we move, and have our being. So here's a word of wisdom. That means a mind that is right is a mind that knows that I don't live for God, but I, that I live in God. Did y'all hear what I just said? Many of us think that we live to do the biddings of God. No, but I have life in him. I don't move with God, but I move in him. Somebody say in him. And I don't establish for God, but they are, I'm established in him. 
because it's in and through him that we are, that we can, and that we will do. I need somebody to catch that. I don't know about y'all this morning, but I need us to know that I am nothing without God. All of my existence is found, somebody shout, in him. It's in him. It's in him. I don't move for God. God, I move in him. That means it's not. Watch this. Notice, notice what um, John chapter 1 verse 3 declares. The Bible says all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. That means it's not my resume, it's not my reputation, and it's not my resources that what we have or even who we are. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's not my resume, it's not my reputation, it's not my resources that make me who I am or what I've done. Somebody say, it's God. And many of y'all, y'all spend y'all time working on y'all resumes and many of us don't thank God that we even have the ability to have a resume. Many of us get so caught up and try to conjure up more resources. And listen, it's subtle, but the enemy makes us believe that we're on the same level as God. Y'all know folk that just love to talk about who they is and what they accomplished. Uh, those are narcissistic folk that don't believe that, that, that God is on, that they believe that God is on the same level with them. Oh, y'all bet somebody say, better ask Donald Trump. And, and somebody may be saying, why is having a mind that knows that they are subservient to Christ so significant? Because a believer that is always beneath God is a believer that will always benefit from God. Did y'all hear what I just said? Whenever I can posture my mind, and here's, I'm going to try to make this plain. Th this mind that doesn't believe they're subservient to Christ is a mind that always tries to do it on their own. You ever heard a believer say that I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps? That means I'm going to use all of my energy. I'm going to use all of my efforts. I'm going to use all of my resources and I'm not going to include God in it. That means I feel like I can do it on my own. And we wonder why it does not work out for us. Because watch this. That is a mind that does not believe they are beneath God. And if, when I begin to believe that I'm beneath God, tell your neighbor you'll always benefit. Oh, watch this. Hear this. If you plan without God, if you proceed without God, and even watch this, if you problem solve without God, what you're really saying is that you're equal or greater than God. How many times have we made plans without God? How many times have we proceeded in our endeavors without God? How many times have we said, no, God, I'm going to do this on my own? And I'm going to try to problem solve without God. I know y'all may not feel this way, but what you're saying is that I'm equal to God or greater than God. What a sad tragedy. So maybe the reason you failed to realize the benefits of God in your life is because your mind thought that you were better than God. I always, if we always want to be in a position to benefit, watch this as as um as Minister Brian declared on today that this ever this this reckless love of God. If I always want to be in a position to experience that, I've got to believe that I'm beneath God. Tell your neighbor I'm beneath God. And watch this: the believer that operates if they don't as if they don't need the Father is a fool. And this is why Proverbs twelve fifteen a declares the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. 
And this is why I say, I say it's subtle, but we've got to be careful. It's subtle when I begin to think that I know it better than God. And anytime I proceed without his counsel, anytime I proceed without his word, anytime I proceed without his wisdom, what I'm really saying is I'm right in my own eyes. Tell you, neighbor, you got to be careful. I don't want us to ever operate as if we're equal with God or greater than God. And your mind is not the right way. Your, your way will always call you, watch this, to not have a right mind. And this is why a right mind is a mind that is, understands and knows that they're subservient to Christ. I've got to know that I'm beneath Christ. I've got to, I got, I not even just know that I'm beneath Christ, but I've got to operate in such a way that God knows that it is him. In him I move, I live, and I have my being. Somebody say I'm not equal. So the first thing I needed us to know, if we want to have a right mind, if we want to experience the benefits of God, then I've got to declare that I'm subservient to Christ. Let's look at verse number seven. Verse number seven says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. If you seek to have a mind that is right with God or in right before God, watch this, you need to have a mind that seeks to serve. Any mind that is right with God and right before God is a mind that seeks to serve. I've got to be a servant to Christ, a, a servant to Christ. I'm going to tell y'all what that means. Because m many times when we get saved, we think that our salvation is a badge of honor. But really what it is, it's a call to be a bond servant. Uh, my salvation is not a badge of honor. It's a call to be a bond servant. And here lies one of the reasons why this contemporary church has pastors that can't carry their Bible. Did y'all hear what I just said? We've got pastors that don't know how to bring their Bible from their seat to the pulpit. We've got ministers that feel like they can't sweep with a broom. And we got first ladies that feel like they don't want to be bothered. Somebody say they don't believe they're bond servants. I need y'all to hear me because some of y'all don't went to churches where pastors don't carry their Bibles. Where ministers don't sweep with brooms. And first ladies don't want to be bothered. Huh? Because as believers, we've got to have a mind to serve. And here's the reality. A mind that does not bother to serve is a mind that Christ don't want to be bothered with. Did y'all hear what I just said? And many times, watch this, we go to God with our 911s and we wonder why he does not answer. Because you did not have a mind to serve. God only, watch this, responds to the cry of his servants. This is why when Elijah asked God to call down fire and the, and, the, and the prophets of Baal were trying to call down fire from heaven, God did not respond to those Baal worshipers, but he, he responded to Elijah because Elijah was a servant. Tell you, neighbor, I need to serve. So if God ain't answering your prayers, maybe he has not found you serving. And somebody may be saying, how do I know? How do I know? Why consider Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38. The Bible says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. That means God is, is pleading and praying for workers, not seat warmers. 
Did y'all hear what I just said? He's pleading and praying for workers, not seat warmers. And watch this. I, I saw something yesterday on social media and it blessed my life. And she's in the church today. Charnette was talking about her ministry um, to those in foster care. And she said it's not a it's not an easy ministry. It's not a it, it takes a lot of level of patience to do the type of work that she does. And watch this. The reason that she does she never lacks is because she's a servant. Somebody say she's a servant. My wife was saying, ooh, I don't know how she do that with all them kids because God answers and takes care of the servants. And many of us wonder why God ain't answering my prayers, ain't taking care of me. Somebody say, I don't have a right mind. I've got to have a mind to serve. Ooh, that's good news to me, y'all. Y'all know the grandmas who ain't have a lot of money but always had what they need because they had, but they were feeding little children in the neighborhood. They had a mind to serve. And watch this, you're not doing God or Christ a favor by coming to church to sit in a seat. He wants to know where are you serving and who are you serving. And watch this, servanthood is not limited to the church. Y'all got to catch that because many pastors will get you caught up and confused that servanthood is limited to the church. Because if the only place that you're serving is in the church, somebody tell yourself, I don't have a right mind. A servant is a servant wherever he goes. If I'm called to be a servant of God, I'm always, somebody say, on call. See, y'all don't like them kind of jobs when you're always on call 24-7. But when you got saved, somebody say, you became on call. And watch this. Notice what our foundational text says concerning Christ. It says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So that means although he had a title, he knew how to touch people. Did y'all hear me? And although he was a son of God, he still knew how to serve. And if the Savior had a mind to serve, so should God's people too. So the critical question you got to ask ourselves is, when is the last time you've served? When is the last time, watch this, you disregarded your title and touched God's people? If y'all, listen, the day that Pastor Keith stopped serving and touching God's people, somebody say, it's time for me to leave the church. If, if we're in a midst of people who say that we love God, that say I've got the mind of God, and I don't find myself serving, somebody say somewhere. Somebody say somewhere. We've got to question our mind or question the church that I'm attached to. Because this is why I push our church, watch this, to serve in any capacity that God gives us. Because watch this, it's not only about God's people or those that he's calling us to serve. Somebody say, it's about me. I said this and I'm going to say it again. You'll never experience the benefits of God if you're never found with the right mind. Oh, I need, somebody say, I need God to answer. I need God to answer. And watch this. But God does not need more believers in seats. He needs more believers that are serving. And watch this. Today's church has been so consumed with getting people in seats rather than developing, equipping, and sending out servants. And many of us like to go to churches where I can sit down, where I can see a presentation, where I can go home and feel good about myself but never find myself serving. Because here, this, the, these type of believers are believers 
that don't want to be inconvenienced. And if you ever believe that something that God asks you to do is the inconvenience, tell your neighbor, I have a wrong mind. My mind is not right. If I feel like what God is asking me to do is the inconvenience. Somebody said, because I'm on call. I'm on call. I'm on call. Watch this. And this is notice what Jesus himself declared in these words of Matthew 20, verse 28. The Bible says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So the question you got to ask yourself is, once you got saved, what did you come to do? Once you got saved, what did you come to do? Because watch this. Many people get saved and they want, they come to get a prophecy. Many people get saved and I just want the benefits of God. I want, somebody say, I want the blessings of God. So I negate everything around me that God has assigned my hands to touch and serve God's people and we wonder why I still operate in lack. The Bible says, watch this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Somebody say, that's serving. And all these other things shall be added unto me. So we wonder why I tithe God. I give all of my money, God. I come to church 24-7, God. Why do I still operate in lack? Maybe it's because you're not serving. See, y'all don't like that this morning. Somebody say, find yourself serving. So why? Why? Because a right mind, watch this, should frequently ask itself, how can I serve God and his people? That, that should be a frequent question in the mind of a believer. How can I serve to further the cause of Christ? That, that, that should be a question. And, and, and not only that, who and where does God need me to serve? And here's another one. Where are the laborers few? I should find myself serving. And I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm shut something down for somebody. Somebody may be saying, well, Pastor Keith, I got to get my life together before I serve. Y'all done heard that? I, I, I'm, I, I don't know enough scriptures, God, before I serve. God, you know that my mental capacity, I'm, I'm dealing with depression. God, I can't, I don't have the ability to serve. The Bible says, watch this, hear it again, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And somebody say all these other things. If you can find yourself serving, God will find himself healing you. If you can find yourself serving, God will meet your need. And many of us have got it twisted as to how we get our needs met by God. Somebody say, I need a right mind. And a right mind is one, watch this, that finds itself serving for Christ. Ask your neighbor, are you serving? And if these questions are not your consistent contemplation, then you need to check your mind. Because a right mind is a mind that understands that they're servants for Christ. And hear this, I'm my last point, and I'm going to be out your way. I want us to look at verse number eight. The Bible says, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. A mind that is continually in peace is a mind that continually submits to the plans of God. A mind that continually experiences the peace of God is a mind that continually submits to the plans of God. And I'm going to tell y'all what I mean. 
This is why our right mind is a mind that is submitted to Christ. Somebody may be saying, what do I mean? Consider the plan of God that Christ was submitted to in our foundational text. The Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Even more, I need us to see something. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays that God take this cup away from him. So, so in Philippians chapter 2, it says that he came obedient even to the death of the cross. But in the garden of Gethsemane, we find Jesus saying, God, I need you to take this cup from me. In other words, Jesus did not want to be disrespected. Somebody say he didn't want to be disrespected. God, Jesus did not want to be despised. Tell your neighbor he didn't want to be despised. And watch this. Jesus did not want to die. He, he was the son of man, but even Jesus said, God, I don't want to be disrespected. I don't want folk to despise me, and I don't want to die. But the Bible says that he submitted to the plans of God for his life. Tell your neighbor he submitted. Uh, so, 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 but our text says that he submitted to the providential plan that God had for his life. And herein lies the problem with many believers. Our mind desires God's plan for prosperity, but we don't like God's plan for our persecution. Many of us think that we're submitting to the plans of God. Ooh, because I got a little ministry. Oh, God done said a little man in my life. Ooh, God done caused me to be married. So I'm going to submit to those plans because those are plans of prosperity. But nobody likes persecution. And watch this. Here's the, here's the reality. Both prosperity and persecution is the plan of God. Somebody say, for my life. See, y'all, we don't like that. And we don't teach this in church. We teach prosperity. We teach live your best life now. But nobody told me that God had a plan for persecution in my life. And I'm going to give you some Bible for it. Tell your neighbor, Pastor Keith going to give us Bible. Watch this. Consider what Jesus says in John 15, 20. I believe it's on our screen. Notice this. Remember the word I say to you. A servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So watch this. When them folk persecute you on your job, tell your neighbor that's good news. When folks start to talk about you, somebody say that's good news. Because watch this. The more that I run from persecution is the more that I run from the providential plans that God has for my life. Ooh. See, y'all don't like that. Tell your neighbor, submit. And why is this significant to understand? Because every plan of God has a purpose. Did y'all hear what I just said? Although we don't understand it, every plan that God has for my life has a purpose. So even when folk that I love, folk that I poured into, folk that I served alongside, turn their back on me. Somebody say, it has a purpose. We don't like that, but God says, I've got a purpose for this. And even though we don't like the plan, we need minds that submit to his plan so that God might ultimately fulfill his purpose. This may be one of the most difficult aspects of having the mind of Christ or a right mind. Submitting to every plan that God has for our lives. That's both the plans that we think hurt us and also the plans that give us hope. Tell your neighbor, I've got to submit. And here's the good news. When we can have minds that readily submit to the plans of God that he has for our lives, somebody say, I'll always prosper. So what I'm trying to say is that God produces prosperity out of persecution. Did y'all hear what I just said? 
God will always produce prosperity out of persecution. And the reason that many of us never see pr prosperity on the other side of persecution is because we like to fight the folk that are persecuting us rather than submitting to the plans of God for our lives. Oh, y'all know I done cussed out and I cussed out good. And then we never see prosperity on the other side of it. Oh, I know my baby daddy nasty and I told, that's why I don't let him see his kids today. And we don't see prosperity. Watch this on the other side of it. And maybe what God is trying to do with your baby daddy who ain't in his right mind is try, if you can submit to God's plans, I promise you, God can turn that thing around. And many of us never see prosperity on the other side of persecution because we don't know how to submit to his plan. Somebody say submit to his plan. I don't like it when they pick on me, God, but I'm going to submit. I don't like that I gave my life to a church and not a church folk act like they can't talk to me because I go to another church. But God, I submit. I know that I started with this one and we started this business together and then they turned their back on me. But God, I know you're going to use it for my good. I heard somebody the other day, I know I gave my life to a man that treated me like nothing. But if you can submit. I promise you, you'll see prosperity on the other side of persecution. And I'm going to give you a Bible. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to give you a Bible. Watch what Romans 8.28 declares. Y'all know we love to quote this scripture, but y'all don't like to submit. The Bible says, and we know that all things, somebody say all things, work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Because when we give the plans of, um, when we give into the plans of God, somebody say, I always win. If I can give into the plans of God, I will always win. That's why I'm not so, I, I had to learn, and listen, I'm still young, y'all. I had to learn in my young life that I don't get flustered when folk I love don't talk to me no more. I don't get flustered when I've invested in folk that turn their back on me. I don't get flustered because if I know that my steps have been ordered by God, if I know that I'm loving them like God loves me, that I know he'll use this persecution, watch this, to produce a level of prosperity. And watch this. Many believers really don't walk in the prosperity that's been ordained for their lives. The Bible says that my prayer is that you might prosper and be in good health even as your soul doth prosper. We love using that text. But God says many of us never experience this abundance level of prosperity because we don't know how to submit to God's plans for our persecution. Ooh, somebody say submit to persecution. Whatever plan, God, you have for my life, I'm going to submit to it. Because when I give in to the plans of God, I always win. Oh, he knows how to make the divorce work for our good. He knows how to make the disconnect work for our good. He even knows how to make the deceit work for our good. But it'll only work for our good when we submit to his plans. And watch this. This, this just makes good sense. Somebody say this is just good sense. It just makes good sense to trust his plans above ours. You know, many times when we get in difficult situations, we try to figure out how am I going to get myself out of this? Rather than saying, God, is this situation that is hurting me a plan for my life? Uh, and here's why it just makes good sense. Uh, matter of fact, you know, you're, you're just crazy if you don't trust his plans above yours. Notice what the New Living Translation of Proverbs 19, 21 declares. 
you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So even when you don't make up your mind to give in, the Lord's plan will still win. Here's what I'm trying to say. How many of us have been in cyclical um, uh, uh, issues or cyclical problems? And we wonder why, why do I keep going around and having these cyclical problems that, that seem to have no end? Because what God is trying to say is that my plan that you're trying to abort is going to still prevail. He's going to continue to take us through these things that may not, that we may not like so that his plans might be manifest. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? So if you want to stop going in circles, if you want to stop living in cycles, somebody say submit to his plan. And some of y'all want to sow seeds to get out of plans. Some of y'all want to fast for 40 days and 40 nights to get out of his plans. But if you could just make up your mind to submit to his plans, God says there's prosperity on the other side of persecution. His plans will always prevail. So we might as well have a mind that is willing to submit to his plans. And this is why a mind that is right is a mind that submits to Christ. So hear this, I'm done, y'all. We've got to have right minds. A right mind has nothing to do with our psychological condition, but all to do with the providential capacity that we allow our minds to have with God. Somebody say, with God. It's the capacity in which I give my mind over to him. It's a mind that's more concerned about what Christ is concerned about. Therefore, if we truly want our minds to be right, we got to have minds that are subservient. And listen, I know y'all may not say that you better than God, that you greater than God, but if you make plans without God, you think you're better than him. If you proceed without God, somebody say, I think I'm better than him. So, so, so I've got to have a mind that is subservient to Christ. I've got to have a mind that is a servant for Christ. I've got to always find myself serving. If I want to be experience the benefits of God, I've got to be found serving. Then I've got to have a mind that is submitted to Christ. Because this mind that was in Christ Jesus was a mind that was subservient to God. A servant of God and submitted to God. Therefore, our minds must be as well. But hear this, here's the good news that I notice in our text as to what God's response was to Jesus because of his mind. Consider verse 9a of our foundational text. The Bible says, therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor. In other words, God gave him, somebody say, great success. That, that means the real success, and I said this earlier, that we find in God is when we have the mind of Christ. God gives us great success. Y'all, are y'all catching what I'm saying? Many of us think that we're operating in some level of blessings for God, but watch this. Woo. Somebody say, that's just mercy. That's just mercy. Many of what we're experiencing in the earth realm is really just mercy. In other words, that's God's love despite of. Somebody say, God's love despite of. Despite, this is when God says that he reigns on the just and the unjust. He's a merciful God. Psalm 136 begins to say that his mercy endures forever. I don't just want to operate on the mercy of God, the love despite of. But 
I want to have some level of great success with God. And what God says, he says, God elevated him to a place of honor and gave him a name above all names. In other words, when I can have a mind of Christ, God will give me great success. That means whatever I put my hands to, God now empowers me to have a level of great success. Many of us are operating in mercy. But somebody say, I want to operate with the mind of Christ. God gives us great success. I want us to understand this, that God wants to give us great success. He wants to find, he wants to find our minds in such a way that he's pleased that it'll cause us to prosper. But it's only when we have the mind of Christ. Let us stand to our feet. I want to pray for us this morning. For those of us who are not subservient to Christ. For those of us who are not servants for Christ. And for those of us who are not submitted to the plans of God and the plans of Christ. Father, we bless you. We honor you, God, for you challenging our thinking today. Challenging how we operate, God. I pray, God, that we realize, God, that we're not greater than you. Matter of fact, your word declares, God, that you gave your son a name above every name. So, God, our name is not greater than yours, neither are we greater than you. God, help us to stop proceeding without you. Help us, to God, to stop planning without you. God, we need you. In you, God, we move, we live, and have our being. And God calls us to know, God, we're not equal with you. We're subservient to Christ. God, let our minds be in that manner, God, we pray. And God, I pray, God, for us who find ourselves warming seats but never serving. God, I pray for us, God, that don't contemplate where we can serve for you. God, if we want to be a servant, God, that, that you hear our cry, we've got to be found serving. So God, let us question our minds about where we've last served, who we've last served. God, who and whom we're serving. God, send us, God, to where labors are few. That's our prayer, God, that you find us serving. And God, I pray, God, that we might submit to your plans. Not just, God, your plans to prosper us, but your plans to persecute us. God, we may not like it. It may not feel good. Matter of fact, God, some of us are going through persecution even now. We're being hated by those that we thought would love us. God, we're being um, um, deceived, God, by those, God, that we walked alongside. But God, I pray, God, that even in the midst of that, God, we can submit to the plans of Christ for our lives. And God, if we can do all of that, you'll give us great success. Many of your people, God, are living on mercy, love despite of. But God, we want your hand upon our lives. We want, you, we want to walk in the prosperity, God, that you've ordained for our lives. And God, we need the mind of Christ for that. And every believer that wants the mind of Christ, every believer that wants to be clothed and in their right mind, say thank God and amen. Give God a hand clap of praise.